in your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bully-proofing portfolios, totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. And folks, we are an independent investment advisory firm. We're registered by FINRA, SEC. We have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. And we're local here to the tri-state area. We work for you as clients, not companies. Now, when you come in for a visit by calling 513-575-9654, there's no meter running, or meet on a complimentary basis as many times as as many days or many weeks we need to to fully analyze your situation, complete a personalized, we call it a compass report, an income plan. For your convenience, we have multiple locations, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, Kentucky. And as always, if you're no longer with the company and your money still is in a form of a company plan, 401k, 43b, TSB, something like that, we can help you roll that out. It's tax neutral for tax deferred account. We can roll it into a Roth if that's the case or a traditional IRA. So you can take control of it, open the whole universe of investing at your disposal and invest it and take control of it. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Send us an email at team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. James, what's going on? Well, today's topic is how to help simplify your retirement plan. Yes, retirement can be sometimes scary and also can be complicated. And that's the point of today's show is to help simplify things at least just a bit for you. Now, in general, we tend to like things when they're simple, straightforward, easy to understand. And it does create kind of a sense of relief from that simplicity. And that's, however, when things are to the point of being simplified, that's when the sense of relief occurs. When you feel unsettled, when you feel unease, when you feel like you just simply don't have a handle on things, that's when there's too much complication for whatever it is. In this regard, we're talking about retirement and also your investments. So yes, your investment approach, which transitions to your retirement approach, should be at least simple or easy to understand too. Now, easier said than done sometimes because after a lifetime of savings, stashing money away, investing, positioning, you could have what looks like an unorganized mess on your hands. And worse yet, you may have an investment plan for your current state that is far too complicated. Now, remember, it's complicated sometimes for one side of the equation versus the other side of the equation. When we're talking about husband and wife teams, how well does one spouse understand this plan versus the other one? How much is each of the spouses involved in a financial planning or retirement planning. Far too often, that's what we see is where they've not been both involved in a process and one is kind of left out of the planning process and then later on in years becomes a big problem. So now the good news is that there are some easy ways that you can do to make these things simpler. And that's what today's show is designed is to give you some ideas on how you can help simplify your retirement approach and have a better handle on your money. Barry? Let's let's talk about some of the things, thought-provoking questions that are going to tie in today's show. 
How could I consolidate? Which types of accounts can I combine? And what are the potential tax implications? Should I aim to have more investment positions or diversification or should I look to consolidate? Well, why don't you do both? Could there be an easy or simple way to create retirement income? It can all be easy if you know what you're doing and you have a plan. If I don't understand an investment, should I just trust my financial advisor or a person? You need to talk about that. That's a good question, James. Can you put an investment plan on autopilot? Could a written investment plan help you simplify things? Anything written down can help instead of verbalize. Is diversification key? Could there be any advantage to keeping accounts separate? Can my estate plan be simple too? James? Well, just a couple of thoughts about those. For starters, putting things on autopilot. Now, we see this a lot with company-sponsored plans where someone has invested. Maybe they don't quite understand how or why they've been invested in it, but we see this a lot with target date funds. That's not necessarily a bad approach if you don't otherwise have an approach. But here's what that means. A target date fund is sort of kind of designed to mimic what should be your or what they think is your risk profile, depending upon your age. It's not in this. This is where we remind people. It should not be a one size fits all. It's not a one age fits all process. So just because you're, say, 50 years old doesn't mean that you should be aggressive, doesn't mean you should be conservative, should be, you know, even somewhere in between. It just means that you've chosen by default typically what that company option is, which is to put you into a target date fund. And yes, it can be an effective way of investing. Once again, if you have not otherwise put the thought and and time and effort into making a decision. We like to say, James, it's an easy way to invest instead of actually picking the positions. We help our clients with 401k allocations. I prefer not to do target funds per se. You don't really know what's in them. They're supposed to get more conservative as you get closer to that age, but some people extend it too far and they're too aggressive or too short. So you really don't know how it's working, how it's rebalancing. It's just a simple, easy way to do it. Uh, but with our clients, we can help with that 401 allocation. Yes. Now, diversification, of course, that's important. It's not wise to put all of your eggs into one basket. But nevertheless, just to own a bunch of stocks or different positions, just to own a different positions, that's maybe not the best way either. Because just because you own a bunch of stuff doesn't mean you have proper diversification. Exactly. I- I've seen cases where prospects have been over diversified, where you got all this stuff. Yeah, it can, the down can overcome some of the ups, but your average rate of return might suffer because of that. You have too much stuff. Yes. And if you have assets that are inversely correlated, that means as one goes up, the other one tends to go down in value. It's almost like tying two horses by the tail Yeah, and they go absolutely nowhere. So, yeah, as one of your account balance is going up, then guess what? The other one tends to be going down. That's one way of perhaps being diversified, but maybe not the most effective way. Now, as far as consolidating different accounts, yes, we are fans of consolidating accounts when it comes to getting rid of your redundant portfolio positions. Here's what that means. Let's just say you have multiple IRAs, multiple traditional IRA accounts. Is that the best way to invest? Well, it is a way to invest, but is it the best way? Perhaps not. What that means is, does your money, does your account have a specific job title or job description of what its intents and purposes is supposed to do? 
Is it designed for current income? Is it designed for future growth? So we are fans of consolidating within different tax statuses. That means if you have multiple different traditional IRAs, maybe consider consolidating them. When and why you might keep them separate is depending upon what you have going on in your personal situation. Here's an example. Traditional IRAs, typically those are not tied to any type of job or employment. That's just simply an individual retirement account or individual retirement arrangement, depending upon, you know, when you read the Internal Revenue Code. It's the same thing. But for others who have maybe self-employment opportunities and otherwise they have what's called a SEP IRA. So the SEP IRA might be something that they started because they are self-employed or they have some type of consulting or business income. Farmers also are very prevalent for this type of an account. What that means is that according to the government, you don't have wage income, you have self-employment income. The SEP IRA provides a wonderful opportunity to invest and actually turbocharge your retirement accounts because with the SEP IRA, you can put upwards of $58,000 into that account. And of course, depending upon your overall profitability, but that's comparatively speaking to a traditional IRA, which might only have the option of putting in six or $7,000 into the account in any one given year. And once again, that's depending upon your individual situation. So once again, some of these different questions we'll go through in more detail, much more detail throughout today's show. Now, as far as putting the investment plan, like we said, on autopilot, that's never a good idea. It's always, always advisable to be actively participating in not only your investments, but also your retirement as far as the planning process is concerned. Barry, any thoughts? No, just the consolidation. We, we, we've seen maybe a, a client will come in or a prospect will come in and they have Oh, 401k, three, four, five, you know, I've seen a lot of them, plus IRAs, they're all tax deferred, they're available, more money tends to work for you by buying more things and get into uh, a strategy that requires different minimums. So if you combine them, you can get into a better strategy, get more diversified and buy more stuff. Yes. Now, as far as estate planning, here's a very simple first step that you should take is review your beneficiaries on all of your accounts. Even your bank account should have a beneficiary on file. So that means keep your beneficiaries up to date. That's that's simply the the very first step and an easy one to accomplish that you can do at any at any point in time. Our phone number at the office five one three five seven five nine six five four. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on fifty five KRC, the Talk Station. Opinions expressed are solely those of Brown Financial Advisors and should not be interpreted as specific advice. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified investment advisors prior to implementation. Market-based investments involve risk and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Insurance-based investments offer guarantees based upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. All insurance, tax, and mortgage services are offered through Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors. LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. We are a registered investment advisory firm. We're independent with a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So when you come in to visit, we're going to work for you as clients. 
not companies. And there's no meter running. We're going to meet as many times as so. Usually it takes a couple, two or three times to decide if we want to do business together. It's all complimentary. And uh, you know exactly about the fee structure and all that stuff. And to give us time to fully analyze your situation, you get to know us, we get to know you, fact-finding, and see if we decide to do business. We have multiple locations for your convenience. Milford is our home office on the east side. Love to see you there. Blue Ash, Westchester, and across the river in Florence, Kentucky. And we've even been known on occasion, if needed, if you're not mobile, to come to your home if necessary. Again, uh, if you don't go along with a company, you have an 041 k 403 b some kind of company plan. Chances are you should roll that out. Take control of it. It's tax neutral. Invest it how you want to. We can help you with that. Give us a call, 513-575-9654. BrownFinancialAdvisors.com is our website. Team at BrownFinancialAdvisors.com is our email. Send us something. All right. Now, once again, one of our goals is to take what's complicated and try to make it a little bit more simple or easier to understand. And that also leads to, we also want you to help, you know, help you enjoy your retirement years. We don't want you to focus too much or worry too much about running out of money or the stock market running out of gains, for example. But at the same time, we we still understand that there is a focus on those things. We want your money to make money. And we also, at the same time, want to simplify your approach. That means in some cases, or in many cases, maybe consolidate your different accounts and maybe give the different or the different accounts job titles, job descriptions. And it does seem like we talk to people on a weekly basis about retirement planning. And one of the most common themes or responses we we hear is how complex that they think things are or how complex that they think things need to be. So yes, we, we hear that where it's the expectation of they somehow think or want them to be complicated, but it doesn't have to be that way. We tend to find that it's it's better and simpler when you can understand not only your financial plan, but also your retirement plan, your written financial plan, your written retirement plan. Those are those are what's effective and better for the long run. And it is part of our job to help educate. That means to help you understand what you own and why you own it. Hence the topic of today's show, how to help simplify your retirement plan. Yeah. So why can retirement be so stressful? Well, there's a number of reasons we'll go through them, but we know making a transition from work to retirement is very stressful. And, you know, it's bound to be a stressful transition for many reasons. It goes beyond just thinking about money. Okay, that's that's what everybody wants to think about. It's, it goes beyond that. You have to consider other things like how to spend it or save it or pass it on if legacy is important to you. And beyond that, there's other things that can certainly cause uncertainty, like the cost of living adjustment, rising taxes. How about health care costs or simply understanding how much money you could need every month to live comfortably? In other words, don't run out of money before you run out of life. We know this all can be very stressful, but the good news is you can simplify your retirement process. It's possible to make things easier if you plan. Here's some concerns, James. Some of the top misgivings we hear on a daily, weekly basis from people we meet with is we're concerned about running out of money someday. We're concerned that we don't have enough saved. We're concerned that we aren't preparing the right way. 
We're worried about the stock market. You're going to big bite out of our nest egg. We're worried about the economy or inflation, government spending. And we just recently had a change of administration. It goes on and on and on. It can be stressful if you let it. Now, these are just some common concerns that will mostly likely affect your aspects of retirement at some point in your life. So you need to plan for these things. You need to think about more than these things. You can you can't focus solely on which investments to buy or positions in your retirement savings or to invest at all. Some people want to go to cash and not go down at all. But you got to think about things about withdrawal rate and taxes and inflation. So our goal today is to give some tips and things to do to simplify your approach and try to make it less stressful. There you go. Now let's focus on the big picture, not just potential returns. And these are tips to maybe simplify your retirement plan or your retirement plan approach. So starting with, we think it's one of the most common things that people do that they should change. And that means focus on the big picture and don't get too bogged down or get too concerned with the minutia, such as we're worried about we're paying too much in investment fees versus what's the overall big picture of the financial plan. Well, it's those things that we just mentioned, things like taxes, inflation, income planning, Retirement planning, investment planning, legacy planning. Notice all those have basically one word in common, which is planning. The bottom line is this. You probably aren't, and I know this sounds a little bit crass, you're not an expert when it comes to these types of things as far as investments and retirement planning. Now, that could be different if that's been your occupation throughout your working years is as a financial planner. But regardless of your knowledge level, do you really want to spend your entire retirement preoccupied over the stock market or your investment returns. Like what did the market do today, for example? We want you to instead refocus the time you spend on your financial life in the big picture, like reassessing how your monthly retirement income budget is working. Yes, cash flow is king in retirement. At what rate are you withdrawing money from your savings, from your investments? Are you taking too much out, relatively speaking, to what your investments can support? So, for example, if your withdrawal rate is north of 5%, are your investments earning 5%? So, yes, returns are important, but the other things are somewhat easier for you to control. That means if you hire a good financial planner, a good financial advisor, someone who also can advise on things like your taxes, that's going to help a lot when it comes to positioning your investments that meet the objectives to the big picture items, like your monthly withdrawal rates, your better increase tax efficiency. Then at that point, have a proper discussion about your real risk tolerance. That's something we see quite a bit when people come in with their investments, that they're not aligned with their proper or what should be their risk allocation. So yes, that should all tie in together to help you to be able to sleep just a little bit better at night. Barry? Well, okay. Let's talk about consolidating your account. So our next big tip is it's time to likely for you to consolidate if, if it's needed. It's really easy to accumulate a lot of different accounts, like we just mentioned, multiple 401ks, multiple IRAs, multiple Roths, during your working career. Now, most of the time, you set it and forget it. We see this all the time, which is fine when you're trying to save money large enough to finance retirement. But when you get to retirement, you need to reel in these accounts to get a handle on what your overall picture will look like. So we want to consolidate to make things easier. And sometimes it's better financially and in the stock market, like I mentioned before, that more money can buy more things 
and do better for you. First, combine all your traditional IRAs and qualified employer accounts, that's tax-deferred stuff, in a single IRA. Still can be diversified and still can be managed in different accounts or different strategies, but get it all in one IRA in your name. Do the same thing for after-tax accounts, mainly joint accounts or some individual accounts, trust accounts. If you accumulate more than four or five accounts of any tax status, you probably have too many accounts. There isn't much of an advantage really here. There are some occasions, though, as James said, there are exceptions to most everything for a different situation, depending on your situation where consolidation might not be advisable. But almost in every case, it certainly is. Well, just to be clear, when we're saying combine your traditional IRAs and your qualified employer accounts, what we're referring to is your old employer-sponsored yeah. plan. So in other words, if you have an old 401k, 403b, our professional opinion is that should be rolled out into an IRA. Now, oftentimes what we see with these employer-sponsored accounts is that people who have done Roth contributions will have a mixture of what looks like pre-tax monies with after-tax monies. So they'll have some monies invested in traditional and some monies invested in the Roth sub-accounts. That's an important thing to remember because when you do roll those out into your IRAs, you should have your pre-tax monies into the traditional accounts and your after-tax monies put into the Roth accounts. There are some exceptions where it's not truly a Roth status, which just simply means put it into a non-qualified, non-tax qualified account. But that's paperwork, and we can always help you with the paperwork. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned, you're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC. The Talk Station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. Folks, we are a registered investment advisory firm. We're independent. We're not captive to a mothership. We have all the tools out there. And we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So when you come in to visit by calling 513-575-9654, we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. There's no meter running, completely complimentary until we actually decide to do business, one, two, three meetings or so. We have multiple locations for your convenience, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, Kentucky. And again, we can help you roll out that company plan, 401k, 403b. If you have some old ones, we can help you if you're no longer with a company, help you roll that out, take control of it in a traditional IRA or maybe a Roth, depending on the tax status. If you're no longer with a company, your money probably shouldn't be there almost every case. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Send us over an email, team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. James? All right. So some of the tips that we've covered so far is to focus on the big picture, not just the potential returns. Also, to consolidate your accounts, that means to combine, if you have, say, for example, multiple different IRAs, combine or consolidate those accounts. Now, the next one is about diversification, broad diversification. That means... From the top down, start with the diversification on the types of accounts you're investing into, such as stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds, maybe even annuities for some people, CDs. You know, we're not big fans of those, but we do acknowledge that there are people out there who do go CD shopping, 
and they just can't get over their affinity for the safety of what's provided by the local banks for the CD rates. Anyways, back to our preferences on mutual funds versus ETFs. And Barry, I want you to uh, kind of follow up on this. What's the main reason why we advise on ETFs instead of mutual funds? Yeah, number one, ETFs and mutual funds are both baskets of stocks. They can have the same exact positions inside of them. So, and that means they're, they're equivalent, but internal fees can really bite you. Not all mutual funds, but many mutual funds can have front loads, back loads. Those are commissions for the person who sold it to you. 12B1 fees, a marketing distribution expense, or redemption fees. ETFs don't have these fees. So you can really drive up the cost that you're paying for that investment with internal fees. So when we talk about diversifying, maybe on a broader scale, for example, for certain asset classes, we recommend using ETFs as opposed to trying to do the individual stocks or the lucky stock picking for these specific individual securities. And yes, stocks are the same thing as saying securities, but don't overdo it here. That means because at this point in time, you need to also focus on what happens with overlaps, redundancies. And yes, that's one of the things that our PAR process can help you with is to eliminate the overlaps and redundancies that you have in your portfolio. For example, if you have multiple different funds in your portfolio, and if we analyze and we find out that, well, for example, you own Apple in eight to 10 different mutual funds or you know whatever you have in your portfolio. Now, we're not saying Apple's a good company or a bad company to invest in. We're just simply saying, don't own it eight times over because it's inefficient in your portfolio. So that's an example of if people who have decided that, well, I'm going to buy a bunch of different mutual funds to invest in because, hey, diversification, right? Well, what happens when we analyze or if you analyze your situation? Once again, our PAR process will go through a Morningstar report. So not everyone has access to Morningstar, for example. It's an expensive membership to maintain. That just adds to one more level of fee or expense that you have to have or worry about in your portfolio. That's, once again, when we say, what can Brown do for you? We can help you with our, our portfolio analysis review to see what you have in your portfolio, if it's efficient or if it's inefficient. And if it's inefficient, that means it's costing you returns. The higher your expenses are, the lower your overall returns will tend to be. All right. So, yes, having the different types of mutual funds in your portfolio. Once again, we're bigger fans of ETFs than mutual funds, but they are essentially the same thing, which is to say it's one fund with a basket of individual positions inside that one fund. Now, if they're not in the same asset class, it doesn't give you any more advantage from a diversification standpoint to have the different types of or the multiple different funds. So once again, Efficiency in your investments is extremely important, but also don't forsake diversification. Barry? That's right. Less cost means better returns because you're not paying internal fees. But how about automate your income or paychecks? The majority of people in retirement, they're going to save money so because they're going to need it in retirement to live a decent quality of life. Now, they would need to take income off withdrawals or their savings at some point in retirement, whether it's immediate or later on. Now, I will say there is, there is an exception to that. I've, I've met many clients that have built up such a wealth and they have pensions and Social Security, which is rare, pensions are, then they really don't need the money to live on. It's extra money. But in the, for the most part, most of us are going to need to withdraw. 
So we want to try to automate some of these payments if you can, rather than taking random withdrawals, uh, just picking at when you need it, and all of a sudden you're picking too much. We've seen this, James, and your account's going down. And you know, chances are you're going to run out of money before you run out of life. So you got to be careful with just picking and choosing. Have a more calculated plan for retirement. First, of course, this nasty word budget that a lot of people don't want to do. Run a budget and estimate what your basic expenses are going to look like each month and how much you might spend on that discretionary stuff. And be uh, be liberal, meaning be conservative in that. Bump that up. Make sure you get a realistic number. Don't lowball it. Then see how much you're short after Social Security payments and or pensions if you're lucky to have one. Automate at least some, if not all, the shortfall. Usually maybe a 3 or 4% withdrawal rate, maybe a 5% withdrawal rate from your savings, because it's likely not going away during your retirement years. You can use guaranteed assets like uh, create streams of income, like fixed index annuities, treasuries, CDs. You can also use fixed income stuff like bonds and things if you're willing to take a little more risk. You know, going to the complication part, and we, we see this a lot with people doing tax planning, and that's obviously something that we help our, our clients with is the tax preparation of tax planning. But sometimes when people get focused on tax deductions to maybe to their detriment. So there are times when oh, focusing yeah. too much on tax deductions will actually cost you money. So here's what I mean by that. Maintaining a home mortgage. Now, we're not we're not saying to simply go off and pay your mortgage here. We're saying maintain your mortgage based on the cost of money involved. We do hear this once in a while where people say, well, I could pay off my mortgage, but I'd lose my interest deduction on my tax return. Well, consider this. On average, the home interest deduction is worth about 12 cents for every dollar paid in interest. This means that the net out-of-pocket cost is 88 cents on the dollar. So if you don't have a mortgage, that means for every dollar you no longer spend on interest, you'll now have to pay 12 cents more in taxes, but you will also have that 88 cents, again, per dollar more to keep. So think about that as far as the percentage of savings, 12% versus the dollar. I spent the dollar to save 12 cents. Plus, James, if, if it's not over your standard deduction, you're not going to get any credit for it anyway, right? Yes. Since the standard deduction was essentially doubled a few years back, that means the vast majority of people don't benefit from claiming the itemized deductions. And even if you do, the, the amount of savings that you have is not that significant. So once again, we're not saying take from your IRA, which is a cost of money issue, to go pay off your mortgage. We're saying maintain a sense of balance between what you're searching for, which is to save money on your taxes versus spending money just to save money on your taxes. Now, here's another one that we see and hear quite often is people who feel like they should reject income simply to avoid the higher tax brackets. <laughs> well, let's give an example of this. Let's say a couple with a taxable income of $82,000. Let's just round it up and say it's $90,000 or even $100,000. But if you're around $80,000, you're in a 12% tax bracket overall. That's your marginal tax rate. But if you have a, let's just say, a $1,000 raise, it might put you into the 22% tax bracket. Just a little bit. So should you take the raise? Well, the answer is absolutely yes. <laughs> Here's why. Only that extra $1,000 yeah. is taxed at that 22% tax rate. 
So yes, once in a while we do hear and see people who don't quite get this, which is when you say that you're in a particular tax bracket, let's just say it's the 22% tax bracket. That means some of your money's taxed at 10%, some of your income is taxed at 12%, and yes, some is taxed at 22%. So yes, you're in all of the tax brackets up to and including the 22% tax rate. You also might have long-term capital gains, which could be taxed at either 0% on the federal side or even 15% on the federal side. Barry, any thoughts? Well, just now I've seen this happen. You hold a, a position to keep it long-term to pay a smaller tax, but you end up losing and because uh, the position went down. If you're doing it just for taxes, it might burn you. Yes. Another one we see in here quite often is people with municipal bonds. Yeah. And the problem with municipal bonds is they don't really pay that much. Now, the good thing is they are in general tax exempt, either at the federal or the state level or both. But just to save a little bit of money on your taxes, you may actually cost you yourself quite a bit on investment returns. So once again, you're foregoing your investment returns for saving just a little bit on taxes. And that also might be an illusion of what you're saving on taxes. There's more. There's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm James Borth. And I'm Barry Parnell. We are an investment advisory firm. We're independent and we have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in your best interest. So we're going to work for you as clients, not companies. Give us a call at 513-575-9654. There's no meter running. We're going to meet on a complimentary basis as many times as necessary, usually two or three times to fully analyze your situation and complete a personalized compass report, a compass to your retirement income report. We have multiple locations for your convenience, Milford, Blue Ash, Westchester, and across the river in Florence, Kentucky. We can help you roll over that 401k, 403b, some kind of company plan, get it rolled over, take control of it. It's tax neutral, invested how you want to invest it. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Send us over an email at team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. James. All right. Here's another tip, which is to streamline your investment strategy. That's another way to help maybe simplify your thinking. So in other words, as opposed to considering whether you should invest in dividend paying stocks versus fixed or, or bonds, fixed income versus bonds, versus investing in blue chips versus in large cap versus small cap versus corporate bonds versus municipal bonds, Maybe think about your goals and your objectives maybe a little bit differently. So, for example, what do you both want your money to do and what do you need your money to do, not only to you, but also for you, right? So think about your answers now. Consider maybe this hypothetical example. I need a monthly income for this particular account, for this particular, you know, the job title of this is monthly income $1,000 and I want to make it for at least 25 years. So I need that income, the monthly income to be at least $1,000. And I need it to last for at least 25 years. Now, I also want to have access to some of this money for emergencies. And maybe for a portion, I'm looking for long-term capital appreciation, which is, say, stock market growth. But 
Here's the trade-off. I'm also not interested in losing more than 25%, like what happened back in, say, 2008 or March of 2020. So think about some of the things that you want and also what you need from this particular portfolio. You want income. Also, you need income. You also want liquidity. And yes, you need liquidity. That means you cannot afford to have your money locked up for more than just the, the short term. Liquidity means that within a week's notice, I can have access to my money. Now, when it gets to liquidity, this is where maybe we need to be a little more, I'd say, thinking outside the box of what does that mean? What's the opportunity cost of maintaining liquidity? So, for example, we see and hear this quite a bit when we're asking, well, what is your emergency fund? What is it you need to have or that you feel like you have to have as far as your buffer of what you have as far as cash on hand either at the bank or in your local mattress or freezer. Here's what we hear. Sometimes it's $10,000. Sometimes it's $20,000. Once in a while, we hear something maybe a little bit more outrageous, like $100,000. And the answer as to why this is, is because that's their level of comfort of what they have for emergency funds for just on a moment's notice, I can get this money. It's there if and when I need it. So maybe here's a different approach to thinking about your emergency funds. That means money that you can have access to at a moment's notice. Here's what I mean by that. There's different sources available. Different sources maybe even at your local bank. You could have a checking account, savings account. That would be liquid at nearly a moment's notice. You could also have, for example, if you own a house or a home of some kind, is you could have an available line of credit on that particular home. Yes, we are talking about a home equity line of credit. It does mean that you have to have monies that you're, you're having to carry on a monthly basis. It just means it's available in case you ever want or need it. That one could be upwards of, say, $50,000 for many people. Others, it could be $100,000 or $200,000 as available line of credit. A third one, sometimes, yes, even those credit cards, you might have upwards of, say, $20,000 available to put onto your credit cards, which we're not fans of excessive spending on the credit cards. But if you pay these off every single month, that means you have access really at a moment's notice to $20,000. And then you have another 20 days or 25 days, depending upon your billing cycle, to then pay that off. So yes, there are usually about three, four, five different ways that you can say, I have emergency funds available. It does mean you have to have your money sitting on the sidelines not invested, not working for you. Otherwise, just simply collecting dust is what it's doing. So going back to streamlining your investment strategy, yes, we are fans of having available funds for liquidity purposes, for emergency funds purposes, but you also should have an overall investment plan or investment strategy guide that says, here is what this investment has to do. Here's what it needs to do. Here are my wants. Here are my needs. And it should be all part of your plan. Barry? How about this, James? Go green, paperless. Now, we got a lot of old school clients. Uh, simple tip is just bite the bullet and go paperless. Today's financial account statements are getting more and more complex. And we know, and as I said, we have a lot of old school people that like physical paper in their hands. But that paperwork adds up quickly, and you're wasting more time dealing with the paperwork than it comes to probably getting a computer if you don't have one, 
and doing everything electronically. Create an email address if you don't have one. Log in strictly and use it to log in strictly for your financial accounts. And you can store them. Store them forever on your computer if you want to refer to them. They're right there. Just go to the folder and they're right there. So going paperless and using that email address, when you get, it just makes more sense to look up your monthly account statements. Sit down in your chair, open your computer, pull it up, and read your statements. And they're right there if you want to go back and look. And guess what, James? You don't have to shred them. Yes. Well, here's here's a reminder. I know people sometimes, like Barry said, it's a, it's a comfort to have a printed monthly statement of your brokerage account, for example. But instead, if you have, as Barry was referencing, an online account, you have those types of items available for you on demand. So if you wanted to, you could still print out your investment account. You could still, if, if yes. and we're also saying that, at least try this out and see if you're comfortable with it. You can always switch back to getting paper statements, but you know this is not a one-time, this is forever how it's going to be into the future. If you are at some level comfortable with your online access to your accounts, it's a much more effective way, we think, of doing that. Now, here's another one. Can a bucket plan help you? So a bucket plan can, in some cases, help. And here's what we mean by this. Separate into the different types of buckets. For example, bucket number one could be your taxable bucket. Bucket number two, tax deferred. And tax free is your bucket number three approach. So the taxable bucket, these are accounts for which you typically receive a tax form like a 1099 each year. These would be your dividends, capital gains from stock accounts, brokerage accounts, interest from CDs, interest in capital gains and bonds. So for these, we say establish an objective for this money, such as long-term growth or to use for emergencies with the, you know, the less income tax stipulation. Now, bucket number two on the tax deferral is this is where we say leverage is gained as the money grows because you don't have to pay taxes on this money until you withdraw it. So it can grow in a way that is beneficial to retirement, but it does create, in some cases, like a ticking time bomb of taxation when you get to retirement and you've not yet paid taxes on all these different monies. So yes, these are your traditional accounts, such as your IRAs, your 401ks, 403bs, 457s, etc. So if you are taking monthly withdrawals or any type of periodic withdrawals from these retirement accounts, and you are at least age 72, which is the new age of the RMDs, so at this point in time, that's when RMDs are required. I know that sounds redundant, but nevertheless, at age 72, you have to start taking something out of these different types of tax-deferred accounts. Uncle Sam won't let you keep them there forever. Now, bucket number three is the Roth accounts, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, 403bs. You can maybe use these as your rainy day funds or as a discretionary bucket since the withdrawals from these, if done properly, are tax-free. There's more. There's much more. Our phone number at the office is 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. All right, folks. Thanks for listening today. Remember, we work for you as clients, not companies. You can find podcasts at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Have a great week. And remember this, sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you. 